You think you get stupid questions? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. Thanks for listening to another episode of Stupid Questions with Jason Harvey. Um, I don't know why you're still listening, but thank you. Got an awesome guest on the show, one of my good friends, Bronte James. Let's just get right right into it and just start talking. All right. How are you, man? I'm great. Good. Yeah. It's good to see you. (laughs) You as well. Thank you. So, uh... So, Willie's. Willie's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we could talk about that, because on the last episode... I had someone who set up that show. Right. Uh, Taylor Hunsaker was uh, my guest on the podcast, and then we even were like, "Oh, you got to come out to the show at Willie's on Friday, March fourth, because we're going to be doing comedy there, and it's a free show, and you should come." And I think we, you know, like we were going to get paid from the bar, but uh, that that show got canceled. <clears throat> Why'd you cancel it? Uh, I I don't really want to make a racist any any money is really what it. Came I think down that to. when I when I heard of that, I thought that people should like kept the shows and invited like every Mexican person they knew or minority or See, anybody well, to I, the show and just blown it up even more. How would even the reason the show got can I I saw the Facebook event got canceled and in my head was like whoa what happened like why did that show fall through right i've performed at willie's with with uh, i actually had a a semen release party there (laughs) i mean (laughs) for for the the first dean down show i ever oh really yeah i performed there with a band called um oh my god what was it called it was um andale andale Andale, yeah, I performed there with Andale, and there was another band there, I swear. And, uh, but that bar is like infamously racist place. Everybody knows that, that, that lives near there. Yeah, yeah, well, you used yeah, to, that's how I knew totally. you lived right around there when yeah, I met you, like what, times. five years, six years ago? Yeah, that place is way racist. <laughs> well, that's what I, when I saw him, when I saw him interviewed and he still had chew. And I, that's all I just thought, oh, that looks like a Confederate flag with legs. Right, just like, right. just like but it looked. In his defense, would you, wouldn't you prefer that most places that you went to and spent your money at, you knew where they stood on all levels of life. So you knew where your money was being spent. You know, like I, I guarantee because- 90% of the stores owned in Utah shared the same views as him, but they don't say it. And I prefer they say it. So I know. Where so I'm you spending. know where to yeah, not totally. to pay. Yeah. That it you're not like, like building sense. a racist yeah. mansion somewhere. I don't mind people like having their, I that's think- why I, I actually, I'm working on, it's a little late, but I have a joke about how I'm like, I wish they still sold Confederate flags. Right. Cause if I could see from that far away that that's a piece of shit that I don't want to talk to awesome that saves me walking that far totally and i feel like i just i mean it shouldn't be flown at any capital ever that's fucking weird but i don't if someone wants to buy one please do so i know i don't want to talk to you right right i mean like i said i i wish most places were like that just open just i've been treated that way and you feel that way but they don't say it and you feel like shit when you leave because you know you spent your money somewhere where they just don't give a shit about you. Yeah. 
And then, but you, they don't say it, but you feel it. But then you don't know if you're being insecure because of past At past ex- experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, I honestly like because I'm uh, like for those of you who uh, don't know me, I'm white, and I didn't ever like I've never. I've never had any experiences with, like, with racism. You know, right. besides, like, like I've and until I think it was in like as an adult that finally, like, a lot of my friends started talking about things that happened to them as as a kid. And I grew up right. in a town where there were there were two black kids that right, I knew, right. and they were adopted to white. You know, the white only way parents, a white and, person can experience racism is by putting themselves in a non-white environment. Where when, people don't like you because of your skin, like go to when West. I was in Philadelphia and I got the it, shit beat it, out of me. Right, there, you yeah, know, but, exactly. but, I, but I still even think that it was still even like I don't know. I that was such a weird experience then because I got the shit beat out of me. But then some guy was like fuck and like saw that shit and felt bad enough for me or cared enough or was just a good enough person that he chased four guys off one person like changed that whole situation. You know, then right, right. it was just like. I don't know. It's so it's weird. I but I've never experienced it in a sense where I've one of my friends. I was in an improv group years ago, and uh, I was the only white person in this improv group, and that's when I started hearing like stories that fucking blew my mind. Right. One of my friends, um, like two of my friends, one Asian, uh, one my friends from El Salvador, and they were buying books. They were holding books, and some guys at. I don't know the store, but they accuse them of switching tags on books to make them cheaper. And he's like, he's like, we have it on film. He's like, go get the fucking film then. Go fucking get the film. Cause I didn't do that. He's like, I have a fucking membership here. I pay money to to get a discount every year. Why would I do that? And they're like, no, you need to leave. He's like, or we'll call the cops. He's like, then call the cops. And the cops still made him go. Uh, yeah, and, and and there you go. So for me, what I see, and this is what I believe, is like racist institutions, like government, everything is so fucking... Like if Beyonce represents black America, then you know we have a problem with race, <laughs> to me, in America. Because yeah. she doesn't give a shit about black people, in my opinion. No more or less than anybody else on a daily level, like no one wakes up and is like, yo, how am I gonna save black America? Very few people wake up and think that. Very few, and the people that do are mostly fucking crazy. <laughs> but yeah. It's just the facts. I'm not like saying it's a bad thing. That's how I see it. Like that's yeah. just how I see, like they're overzealous, fucking crazy, deluded people who are sick of being victimized by their own perception of reality. That's how I see it. Yeah. Like I'm biracial, I'm half black, half white. I see both sides of it. I've been to like all white family reunions and I've been to all black family reunions. And the thing that they all share is they're all catty. Yeah. It's the same bullshit on both sides. What? So like once you're in America, you know, like unless your family's into like yoga and you're in some hippie fucking retreat, you're pretty much dealing with the same shit everywhere yeah <laughs> that's how i see it like but i don't know i, I think that well and i think everybody like the whole reason like no nobody wants to see white privilege because they're like no do you know that i fucking worked forever like do you right. do you get that and it's like i 
No, white I privilege, get what you're saying, okay. but that's not what that. What people don't. Okay, the, there needs to be a clear. Just like my description of white privilege is this: is driving around Southern Oregon with a fucking shotgun, a beer between your legs, fucking hundred pounds of weed, driving eighty miles an hour with like a chick half your age next to you, doing whatever the fuck you want with no rules. That's white privilege to me. Like black people don't do that. Like that's the most extreme. And I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of white dudes do that all over the West Coast yeah. of the United States. <laughs> do whatever the fuck they want. They're in like a white man's paradise. Everybody's paid off. They could do whatever they want. They could do no wrong. And you just, that to me, like until you see black people doing that, owning shit tons of land, making tons of money, yeah. driving around drunk with fucking guns and drugs, then you know that's to me is the most extreme level of white privilege. Like getting jobs and all this bullshit and trying to compete in like mainstream America, that's cute and all, but I feel like anybody can do that. Like that's an even playing field on so many levels right now because it it doesn't matter. Like it it doesn't matter to me. Like race is fucking irrelevant when it comes to corporate America because they've set up all these fucking rules to that shit. Yeah. I'm talking about real shit. Yeah. Where I see like uh, you know, and I used to think about it in the music industry. I'd be like, oh, you know, African-Americans, if you're not, like, talking about bullshit, then you're not going to be heard, which could be somewhat true. But at the end of the day, like, who do you want to be, like, who are you trying to talk to? Like, if you're trying to talk about something positive and creative, that means you're out of space that took you some knowledge and some experience to get to. Now you want to go fucking say that the masses should be at your level when they're not. They're 18, 15, the fucking 19, 20-year-old kids who don't know shit about life. Yeah. And they don't want to think about shit like that. Their brains aren't set up for that. They're not even ready for that. So what's their form is that bubblegum bullshit. And that's what I had to come to realize. I used to think that there was like this, you know, conspiracy in the music industry. And what I had to realize is that it's just, I'm po people are pointing their guns in the wrong direction, you know? And I feel like... It's the same thing with like black comedians. Oh, you know, black comedians can't get on Saturday Night Live. Well, who the fuck watches? Black people don't watch Saturday Night Live. White people do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unless you're a black comedian that can appeal to a white audience, they're not going to have you on Keenan Thompson. Shit. Right. You know? <laughs> like, it's just the facts. It's not like, it's not a conspiracy. It's just, it's a reality. It's like, fuck, start a business and try to sell something to somebody and then go hire the worst possible pitch person regardless of their skills, just because they deserve a shot doesn't make sense to me. And that's what I keep thinking, even like the Oscars or whatever, the award show, they're like, we're going to boycott it. Boycott, so what? Well, and isn't Chris Rock hosting it? Yeah, and, and I mean... So that's that. like... Do, <laughs> like, uh, 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 it doesn't mean shit to me. Like, it doesn't, like, once you're successful, you're successful. If you need awards to be successful... <laughs> then you're fucking missing the point i think yeah like if your kids are fed and everyone's fucking taken care of you're doing it like that's it that's the award god whatever the universe is yeah. awarding you you know and i feel like people just are fucking catty and stupid and like and and use race in the and, and throw race and shit that has nothing to do with race to me i i believe that that's just me and i don't know <laughs> Maybe, yeah. and I, maybe it's, and like Don Cheadle says it, he's like, I can't get funded for an intellectual black film. Like, unless there's an explosion, they're not going to give me money. 
It's like I can write them all day long. I can write intellectual black comedies. Yeah. That, with black people in them that white people, you know, sell and make millions of dollars off of. But unless I, I, with black people, there needs to be an explosion. There needs to be something in there that, that, that says that this money, the movie is going to make money amongst black people or young people. Yeah. What the fuck they're trying to appeal to. And I don't know if you heard this, but he talked about in that movie he did with Miles Davis. The new movie? I haven't seen it. Okay, well, he just—he just—it's just—it hasn't came out yet. Oh, he's cool. starring in it and he wrote it, but he—he he and it's about a, Miles Davis. That's yeah, awesome. He did like a GoFundMe or something for the movie to raise all this money to start it, and he raised four hundred thousand dollars. And they took the four hundred thousand dollars and he went to the studios and he's like, "I need money to make this movie," and they're like, "No." So then he went back and he added a character, a fictional character, a writer from Rolling Stones magazine. And he got Ewan McGregor to, to play that part. And then he went back to the movies, to the Hollywood, and was like, yeah, I wrote this. I added this character in, and it's going to be played by Ewan McGregor. And they're like, oh, okay, we can do it now. Here's your money. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so, okay, but the thing is... But is this because they know they have, they are gonna have get, to work, they're well, going to get their investment You back. have to go with the numbers. Like, as much as I fucking hate to say it, like, black people I know in, like, Utah, like, we bootleg the shit out of movies. Like, that's fucking... And a lot of us go to movies, too, at the same time. Yeah. And I know a lot of white people that download movies and steal movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, who's going to go out and spend money? I don't know. I'm not a fucking... I don't know. I don't work. I don't know the science the behind movies. Yeah. But I know that they that the people that are doing it have it dialed in. And it just is the facts. Like, and I feel like... A lot of people that don't like what's going on should well, take time being creators and start creating things they do like. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I had to talk to a friend who was mad about um, Jared Leto, Leto, whatever his last name is, winning the Oscar playing a transgender person. And they're like, there's so many transgender actors. And I said, yeah. But they would never get the funding yeah. from like like they would never if we'll be honest, if Jared it's, it's Leto not about is acting it's about it's about somebody who is a normal person taking themselves into a role and then you forget who they are you forget yeah. that's Jared Leto and yeah. at some point in the movie you're like this is a transgendered person yeah that's acting I don't need for a transgendered person to act transgendered that's not acting that's reality yeah. That's like when Denzel won for training day. Like at some point in the movie, I don't give a fuck who you are. You forgot that was Denzel. Oh, absolutely. And you wanted him to die. Yeah. Oh man. It, that movie was right. Tough, so dude. for him to win it on that to me makes sense because it's make believe land. It's acting. It it's was, it was reality. so out of the norm for yeah, him. Like, Do you know that I, I guess of- he had, uh, John Q was actually done before training day. It was finished right but then training day was coming out and they were like well if this fucks up denzel's career we need something right and so they switched they they switched the release yeah. dates on those movies to make sure that it wasn't gonna fuck him over yeah I but dude, holy shit forget. man people like forget he what the whole point of a movie was when it first came out and you know when we first started watching movies, it was to take you to another place. Be entertained. out of reality. That's what bugged me about people hating on the new Star Wars. Yeah, it was just... I was like, oh, was it fun? Did you forget about right. work for two hours? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like that's... I don't know. People are losing the whole point. Of, of being entertained? Spike Lee. Spike Lee 
You know, he wants all this respect, and, and I've watched some Spike Lee movies. I enjoyed a few of them. But at the end of the day, he redid Old Boy. Have you seen Old Boy? The original, yeah. Yeah, the original, okay. I, so good. I saw that at the movie theater. Wow. Right? We did a blow, dude, I... <laughs> so, like, when I tell people that, everyone says that. They're like, whoa. Like, I went to the movie theater not knowing shit about that. That movie. hammer scene had to have blown your mind on the big screen, I mean, too. what blew... Uh, Blew my mind. I mean, fuck, dude. That whole movie was just <laughs> insane. Okay, right? so then um, I watched the remake. I and haven't Spike, seen it. Spike Lee remade it with uh, Josh Brolin. Is that yeah? It? And Samuel L. Jackson is that Samuel L. Jackson's in it too? Which yeah. I, I and I hate Samuel L. Jackson. You do? Oh man, I, he's, he's so bad. He's like I said, it's Samuel. Like oh, when I see an actor act, I don't want to say that's Samuel L. Jackson. I want to be like, that's whoever spirit they're embodying. That's a good actor yeah. to me. He's a celebrity. There's a difference between being a celebrity yeah. and being a good actor. Yeah. Do you understand? What yeah. Like no, Adrian I know Brody what is a good actor to me. He's done some shitty movies, but he's done some movies that I'm like, oh, he's a good really actor. good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I forgot that was even him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's things like that, but the Spike Lee just fucking destroyed this movie, and he did the same shitty. He tried to do the same like signature Spike Lee scenes. Then I'm just like, are you fucking serious? Like what's wrong with you, dude? Like, I almost that's want, not cool. <clears throat> I almost want to watch it now to just like go. Ugh, he was right. Oh, it's so bad. It is so fucking bad, dude. It is the worst. It, it literally just blew my mind, like on so many levels, how, how someone could destroy a movie. And well, because oh man, I, I and at the same time beg for respect and talk all this shit. And so for me, as like an artist, I realized. I saw a little bit of myself in there too because I've been there as an artist, like on, you know, like why isn't my art here? Why isn't, or I'm funnier than this person or my music's better or whatever the fuck yeah. I was at. And when I realized this is like, you know, if you're gonna be funnier, then just do it and worry about that. Just worry about and being funnier. Just worry about it and don't worry about complaining about it and like putting it out there that, the, that there's some type of like not fair shit going on. And I've heard local comedians say that and I've heard local people like, Oh, you know, it's this or that. Well, fuck, if you know the rules, go. Go get it. Yeah, like... If you need to know how to fucking sing, play music, and tell jokes, then your ass better be ready to do that shit. Because most entertainers out there can. They're not just people that can tell jokes. They're, like, multifaceted. And, yeah. And they're people that care about entertaining people rather than, you know, having a personal agenda of, like, how they see what's going on. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah no i no i i think that's something that i've uh i think because now i'm i'm coming up on like seven years of doing stand-up and i think somewhere like along like three years where i started to feel kind of comfortable and like i started to get that like why am i not getting on more shows when blah, blah, blah. Right. but it's I don't know. I, I think as soon as I just stopped worrying about that as much, it started happening. And I was just like, I'm just going to try and be funny. I'm going to try and work hard. And right. just, uh, then I started setting up my own shows. It's like, just if you want to do something, go get it. Exactly. And that's how I felt in the comedy. When I started doing comedy, I was like, there's nobody's show out there that I want to like beg to get a part, to be a part yeah. of. That I thought was like, that I couldn't do myself. Like any local bar, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever was going on. But at the same time, I feel like as an artist, wouldn't you prefer to be like on a circuit now than when you were worried about if you should have? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the same way. That's something that I've 
I feel comfortable with, you know, is that I'm more experienced now and more ready now than I have, you know, even with being sick yeah. or dealing with all that shit that was yeah. just fucking whack. But yeah. So <clears throat> can you, do you want to talk about sure. that a bit? Cause yeah. I didn't like, I honestly, so you did a, you had can't you. Yeah. I got diagnosed with cancer in 2014 Four. or something like that. And then, uh, yeah. And, and you went, uh, all natural. Yeah, I did uh, chemo and radiation. Uh, I was planning on getting a surgery, and I was planning on doing, um, like, the whole program that they had set up for me. But um, my doctor was just a fucking dick. Yeah. Like, straight up. Like, that's all there is to it. Like, I was game. But the more he was just, the more I was around him, the more he just treated me like shit. And I just wasn't down. I was like, this, if I... Why would I let this person cut into me when they're not even cool to me? Yeah. Like at all. <laughs> like straight up. Like treat talking. No, no, yeah, exactly. And, and and I felt like <clears throat> I just felt like, you know, they told me there was like a 50-50 chance with, with what they were gonna try was gonna work. Or I could die. So it was like I can take my own chances. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I've always been like way down with weed and I, and when I lived out in California in the mid 90s you know that's when they legalized medical cannabis and I was always aware of it and I've always but to put it you know Is it, was it really like uh, medical's been around that 1996 wow that's insane and now uh, I I hate I, but I don't like it, the changes but to, to get it in 1993 but I want to say to get it to get your card in 1996 my perception of it was when I lived in California was you had to have like AIDS or cancer or be dying yeah it wasn't like for headaches it wasn't for uh, anxiety or whatever people do now yeah. in California anybody can get a card now but maybe they could have then I don't know but I, I was in college then I didn't try to get one because I thought it was for you know, like I said, they people yeah. that were dying. Yeah. And I wasn't. I was healthy. I felt great. So yeah. I wasn't tripping off of that shit. <laughs> but um yeah, you know, um Yeah, then then I dealt with all that stuff and then they're just kinda of full of shit. You know what I mean? Like when you look at like I mean, all the way down the line, like it just really revealed the, the medical system to me, like from dentistry to, you know, I went to I, I went fucking I had a shrink or what, what do you call it? Like a psychologist, ther yeah, therapist. therapist. Yeah. I had a therapist. So I went from every, I, I dealt with every level of the medical field within like one year's time because I, and I also, you know, because the insurance I had was so good that they were just like throwing everything at me. They're like unlimited psychology or whatever, psychiatric yeah. help, anything I wanted I could get at the time. And so like, they were just fucking, I just felt like they saw that shit. It was like a big green light to just get as much money out of me as possible. And that chemo's not cheap. No. You know, and, and we all know that. And Well, it's like uh, one of my, uh, earlier on like, I can't remember, like right around like 10th or 11th episode, I interviewed one of my good friends who had cancer and went through chemo. And it was just like her talking about that. It was just like, oh God. Right. That's the shittiest, like, Cancer scares the shit out of me. It's like one of those things that I'm like, oh You know, my it shouldn't. Like, I tell people that all the time. What should scare the shit out of people is the cancer that they buy and put in their body. Because I believe personally that I like, I don't think it's genetic. The only thing genetic about cancer is that you have four generations of people eating the same shit. 
Yeah. So like, you're like, oh yeah, you, you, you've had breast cancer for three generations. Yeah. Well, you've also been eating fucking fake sugar for three generations Yeah. and a bunch of other shit, but they don't want to say that because then it just flips everything on its end and everybody's becomes healthy and no one's eating garbage. And then the stores have to step up their game and sell fresh food, which spoils, which is harder to sell, which is more expensive. There's a million reasons why we preserve food. And it's all because the market says so. It's how they sell shit. Yeah. You know, and, I, and if you can put a jar of Alfredo, okay, if you took a jar of milk, put the lid on it and set it on the counter for, I don't know, three months, who the hell's going to buy that? That's sour milk. Yeah. What's in Alfredo? Cheese and milk. That shit can sit on the counter for three, three years or two years. What are they putting in that that makes it so it can stay there for three years? And how am I supposed to digest that? You know, and I tell people all the time, if something can rot your mouth, if food can rot your, the hard enamel on your teeth, then how do your soft intestines and organs stand a chance? Like, how do they stand a chance to this stuff? Like, what do you think? It just stops at your mouth? My stomach acid and that coffee that I pour on top of it. <laughs> you know, and I feel like, you know, people, I'm not out here to like preach and tell no. people to change their lives because, you know, it's hard and food is great and eat what you want. You know, I'm I hate food, that. to be honest, so I probably should eat but, um, healthy because I don't enjoy eating anyway. You right. Know? Like, and I've, I don't know. I feel like, oh, Lord, they're just, it's just retarded, you know, like everything they tell me was just. It was so hard to believe that people went to school for years and years to come up with this shit. Like literally, the, some of the stuff they told me, some of the foods they told me to eat and that were okay to eat after getting diagnosed with colorectal cancer. It's just beyond me. I just can't even fathom that someone would, you know, and that has a medical degree that knows the human body, you know, and it was just ridiculous. And I can tell you right now, like, I know people that got diagnosed with the exact same cancers as me and they went through surgeries and it spread to other parts of their bodies and all this other fucking horrible shit or they died or, but at the same time, the whole time they're in bed with these fucking prescription drug companies. They're in bed with these fucked up quack doctors, Western medicine, yeah, Marine doctors that seek and destroy. That's all they fucking know. They don't know how to make peace. They're the exact same mentality as United States Marine which is go in, find the enemy, and fucking kill it. And whatever gets blown up as well, that's just part Collateral of the game. Collateral damage. That's part of the game. And We can and, fix that later. Well, yeah, and, and, and I feel like that's the same thing. Like you said, um, you can wait for people to get you gigs, or you can make your own. Yeah. And the same thing with health, I feel like. You can wait for, you know, you can sit around and eat dog shit and go to your doctor and have them throw all these fucking pills at you and, and feel like you're like normal which i guess it is well you it is we don't want to it is the norm but it shouldn't be but it shouldn't be and so that's why you know i get all these like people like you know fuck cancer and yeah i agree fuck cancer but how about fuck the things that start cancer and give people cancer yeah you know what i mean and like chemotherapy is one of those things and so every time i see people passing around the hat for like a little bald person i can't help but think that these you know prescription drug companies are just fucking making tons I mean, what of a, fucking money ultimate what a what an amazing drug so what i do is I, I make a drug that makes you look so fucking horrible that everybody around you will feel so bad they will fucking give you their last penny to turn over and give right back to me are people, if anybody's listening to this, does that fucking make any sense to you? 
at all. Well, that's what uh, <laughs> like the doesn't make any breast sense. cancer person, Susan, oh, whatever her name is. It, dude, that's so fucking like the if you look if if you look at actual causes of death, heart disease is number one right. in in America, and that's and nobody wants to talk about that because that would <laughs> lead to talking about your diet yeah, immediately. Well, well, and and most most Americans and exercise like most hey, Americans well, what are you doing? accept the fact, and this is generationally generally generally. Generally, yeah, whatever. Speaking, <laughs> yeah. like I've seen this happen. We'll say, you know, I'm gonna eat whatever I want till I get to be around 50 if I make it, and then I'm gonna let the doctor tell me what to eat and how to live my life until I die, and that's what I've seen in my life, and that's the bottom line. I don't care what anybody says. That's all I've seen from you know parents to people's friends to friends of mine is, and and nobody wants to take their life into their own hands. And and they, they want to turn around and say, you know, the government this, the government that. Well, fuck. <laughs> you're letting it happen. You're letting. Well, that's what something you're that paying for it. I even realized, uh, like, when the church, when the LDS church took their stance on the SB seventy three bill about full plant medical cannabis, right. and they were like, nope, we. I, I was just like, well, fuck, there it goes, and I was just like, well, wait, I'm gonna write. I'm going to write my fucking... I'm going to say, don't speak for the church. Please just speak for those people. This right. won't benefit me at right. all, but it will help so many people, and it's shitty. Well, the church is saying now, they're saying, okay, if it's healthy, change the law. Change the federal law, because that's all they care about. They want to be law-abiding citizens at the end of the day. That's all they care about. Like At the end of the day, like when it comes to stuff like that, that's really all that matters. Because I know tons of LDS people that go to church that have cancer, that, that live in California, Colorado, Utah, that take cannabis medicinally. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I feel like... Well, that's what I think. I think that what happens is with the church is they're so old school that the first thing out of their mouth is like, you know, an after-school special. It's going to be the wrong thing. You're big dummy. And then they're going to have to come back and like... Well, actually, what I meant was this, and we're both going to learn a lesson from it, you know yeah. what I mean? And they get an opportunity, like part of correcting yourself in front of people is showing people that you're learning. Yeah. And they, and I feel like that's the game that they're playing right now. And they're trying to play that game because religion is changing. People are leaving religions, not just the Mormon church. Everywhere. Everywhere at an alarming rate to the churches, not to people like me, an atheist who don't believe in anything. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like I, I see it happening all around me. You know, I used to complain about the Mormon church a lot, but at the end of the day, I feel like. Honestly, it's the, uh, Salt Lake City is a nice place to live people-wise. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a relatively clean air quality. Fuck no. Right. But like every, like it's a safe, I feel safe pretty much everywhere. I feel like this. You know, like. I feel like this. I feel like. I feel safe knowing <laughs> that there are people out there that need to be controlled <laughs> and that there is an entity in that which will, do it. will control them yep. and tell them who to vote for, how to live their life, what to eat, where they're going to go. Because without that entity, I they would be feel lost. like it would be like the fucking walking dead out here. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people would be free to choose for themselves. <laughs> but I feel, you know, like... Well, I think that's... Oh man, like I had the thought like a while ago that I was like, oh yeah, like 
churches make themselves shepherd by creating a lot of sheep. You know, like by having, you know what I'm saying? Or finding people that are just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with, yeah, I just need that. I need to be shepherded. I need, yeah. like, it, it's weird. I need to be told that there's something after this. I don't, I, I hate, that thought for me is a scary thought. Yeah, and that's because, and it is for a lot of people our age, and it is for a lot of people younger than us, and then even younger, it's dissipating. And and what we're, and what you, that thought, that mind frame you're, you're talking about, we were right on the cusp, like, we weren't sure if Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eighties was cool or if he was a douchebag. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like we weren't sure, but it's pretty clear now, <laughs> you know, looking yeah. back and, and looking at things, you know? <laughs> and so I feel like that's the time we came from and the time before us, you know, like the president was right. You know, your, your, your priest, your priest was an amazing person, you know? And, Everything was by the books. Your boss so, was a great guy. A lot guy. of these yeah. people that are running churches and that are propagating all this bullshit, to, you know, are, are come from that generation to me. And it's something that it will go away. You can see it. Like when you watch Family Guy on TV, come on. There's no way that would have came on in the 80s. There's no nope. way. No. There's no way. Like, So obviously something's changing. And it's not just like, you know, these evil TV networks. They're not. I mean, they're run by the same religious... I, I just feel like times are changing. And I talked about moving to California, you know, or Colorado, you know, to be closer to um, medicinal cannabis. And a friend of mine's like, by the time you get all your shit together and move, it'll be legal in Utah. He said that as a joke. And this is when it wasn't even uh, talked, uh, about. talked about at all. Right. And, and now I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, by the time I get all my shit together and get up out of here, Probably will be legal here. <laughs> I, I I really think SB seventy three will pass now that the. I think that you know, um, the with the screening process in which they've made it, um, and the contracts in which they're going to sign with these cannabis manufacturers, um, that's that that's the bottom line, and that's something the public needs to know about, and that's something that we're not no one's talking about. And I feel like um, that's crucial to me because when you when you lobby these bills and when you pass these bills, there's money talks. So if uh, and as somebody who has had cancer and has used cannabis to fight cancer, I, I'm I don't I'm, I'm the only thing I'm worried about is is like people hijacking sick people. Oh yeah. Yeah, and saying okay, you're sick. Here's get thirty five hundred dollars. So that you can get two months worth of high grade cannabis oil, you know, and, but you can't grow it. You can't make your own medicine. You have to come to us. That to me is like the same thing as like when you live in the hood and you can't sell weed in your neighborhood because Debo sells weed in your neighborhood. (laughs) And if you do sell weed to somebody, you get your ass kicked. There's no difference to me. That's it's just like a high end blue collar white collar version of that that people aren't seeing that I see, <laughs> and I've seen it in Oakland too. I was out in Oakland. I'm like, okay, I know people are still selling dope on the streets, but the way they have it set up is that there is no the money on the streets different, and now they call Oakland Cokeland, and it's like full of coke everywhere. Because like, so that's what they're selling because they have to sell coke because, now on the street because weed, weeds. Absolutely, yeah, and so I feel like. 
legalization of weed is more of that white privilege to me. And, and, and they talked about it, Colorado, Washington, where weed is absolutely legal. Black people are still being arrested for smoking it more often than white people in places where you're not supposed to, or being cited and ticketed for smoking weed. Still. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I find, I'm just like, so I think to myself, like, I don't know. I, like when you deal with lawyers and you deal with like these politicians, there's always, there's always the blueprint and people, we ain't ever going to see the fucking blueprint. Team. The full blueprint, yeah. yeah. That's the that's the bottom line. You gotta so see the building I'm, when it's I'm, built. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm always weary about like stuff like that. But at the same time, what what I want to see is let me do whatever I want to my body. That's I I, I want to see I really complete. Wanna I like, want to see legalize everything of of all drugs. drugs. I want to see and punish crimes. Like if some dude breaks into my house and steals stuff. I that's wanna, the crime. Like that's not, right. him doing drugs isn't the crime. Right. The fact that he like this person broke into my house and stole things so that they could sell him to buy drugs, that's that's the crime. And I don't think legal, it would happen. If drugs are legal, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I really don't. Another thing I want to see, this is way off topic, is I want to see eligibility in high school and in college sports, academic eligibility. I want to see that completely gone i feel like that's another i feel like that's bullshit too that's way off topic but i've been talking about that lately and that's been driving me crazy is like the fact that people need to be eligible to play a sport that has nothing to do with their life <laughs> yeah you know and i mean that's another form of like control that i see but you know like back to the drugs prescription drug companies are like the backbone of like they give the go-ahead they say if it's okay. They go look at the numbers. They go in and say, okay, if we legalize this, is it going to fuck up our numbers game? Is it going to fuck with our game? And a lot of places like Colorado, as much as weed's legal there, people still aren't pursuing cannabis as an option to treat their cancer. I know people that work in that industry having to trying to sell themselves to people on chemo and radiation. And then people, they're... So the, 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 the hold on that industry is still there. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is if it's legal here, there's not enough people that are going to like change shit to make it so the pharmaceutical companies are going to miss out on anything, I believe. You know, and, and, They'll make their money some other way. You know? And like, another thing that I wanted to talk about real quick was what my pharmaceutical level is, is that uh, a lot of people I know in Salt Lake have been overdosing and dying from heroin, right? And that means there's like a really bad batch of heroin on the streets. Like literally, I know I know two or three people that have died Recently, in the last month. In the last, last month. month, yeah. And so two of them personally that I know personally that have died from overdoses. And then at the same time, um, at the same time, I saw on, on the news that they just um, armed all the cops and paramedics and it's like some revolutionary drug where they can save a person's life who's ODing with like some shot, right? That they carry around with them. Like it's like a injectable hypodermic shot that they give these people. Rather than go out and tell the public, hey, there's some fucked up heroin on the streets. Don't do it, you're gonna die. <laughs> they don't, the prescription drug companies step in and they say, no, let them OD. 
we'll just bring them back to life with this. But they're not bringing them back to life. These people are dying still. And it's a bunch of bullshit. And that's what I feel like Utah is like this. Treating people like they're fucking five years old. Like literally, people need to know there's some fucked up heroin on the streets. And it's not being, I haven't seen it anywhere written in any news. Anywhere. But the first thing I see, like I said, is some revival drug, which is bullshit to me. Which so is that's, that's and that's within the contract. That's so, within the last little bit too. Like the they just came like with the last week or two, yeah. and this has been about a month that there's been some bad heroin. Like yeah, the, exactly. The, so exactly, and so that's another government contract. So rather than go out and say, you know, like I said, it's a public health concern. That's a public like people do heroin. It's everywhere, especially in Utah right now. You know, and I had no idea that it was that oh, big of a thing. Is so bad in, in salt lake city it's an epidemic and nobody's talking about it nobody and people are dying every day five or six people a day easily on the streets homeless people fucking our friends family and it's it's real and it's because it's so cheap and it's really powerful and it's everywhere my son take goes to a music school in a shitty neighborhood downtown Salt Lake, uh, right by the gateway. And from that school to the, to the tracks, he gets offered heroin every time, like three or four times. Easily. Really? He's 16 years old. It's everywhere. And they're worried about weed. <laughs> and they haven't even addressed a public health issue. And they want to fucking put weed all over the news like it's some big deal. I feel like it's just... It's, it's ridiculous. And it's not just Salt Lake City. It's all over the United States. And it's everywhere. And nobody's talking about it. And I feel like, to me, that's like... It's scary. It is. scary, man. That's a scary fucking drug, man. People are more concerned about like where their internet information goes than what's going on around the outside of their world. Where something that happens in a fucking digital realm... Mostly in their fucking head. Yeah, because they get to create that reality. But when they're what's happening outside their door and their neighbors and all that shit, they don't give two fucks, you know? And whatever. That's the society we live in. But at the same time, I feel like that's where art and entertainment and being able to be a regular person and have someone think that you're actually a transgender is <laughs> crucial. And that's why we're here is like entertainment and I don't know. I feel like we actually get out of the house need to create more. And that's something that, you know, having being sick and over the last few years and like, you know, cancer, the number one, you know, side effect that people don't talk about is depression. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you mix that with a sickness and you're fucking done, you know? And, and for me, like I had to take a step back and, and really analyze my life and people around me and what made me happy and, and, and things I wanted to do. And, it, it, you know, it saved my life on a lot of levels. It was unfortunate that I had to, you know, go through a lot of the weird, painful things that I did. But yeah, I'm glad I'm here. I feel great. I feel healthy. I'm definitely glad you're yeah, here, I man. I feel better than I did when I met you and have more healthy and more cognitive. And I don't feel as funny. <laughs> but, you know, I want to go do, like, I want to get on stage. I want to do jokes. I want to, like, you know, get more artistic with my life. But I feel like having to take a step back and just absorb everything we've talked about and then put that into material yeah and then put that into something and then really you know go give it my all is something that i think would be crucial 
and to respect the environment in, in the game. Because when I started doing comedy, like I didn't, I, I'd never done it in my life. I never yeah. aspired to. I just did it. And I felt like I, I, I felt that I enjoyed myself a lot. And, and I felt like I had, Dude, people did too. I had a blast doing, I think I did three shows with you. Yeah. Two at Urban and one at Bar Deluxe. Right. And they were all fun, man. Just fun right. shows. And with that, like, <clears throat> I felt like I didn't respect the game of comedy because I didn't know it. Well, that, I didn't know shit. I didn't know that you needed a community. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about comedy. Yeah. And now, like, I know, like, from, from watching it, studying. And I've always studied comedy. Like, before I even met you, like, yeah. all I watched was, like, Lenny Bruce, Rodney Dangerfield, Andrew Dice Clay, um, and, and, and I'm half, like I tell people all the time, I'm half black, half white, and my comedy, like I like white comedy. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know why. <laughs> I like black comedians, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like my first real exposure to comedy was Richard Pryor, and I was like fucking crying. I was Dude, like, I, I, eight years old, I, you know, and I was. I never got him. him until like a couple years ago. I read it, I like, I just never watched it. And then and I, Pryor, I did, and like he as a performer is just unreal and, like and he is so that, good being african-american too i got it like for me as a kid yeah i got it i grew up around that shit richard Pryor looked like my dad to me like there was a lot of things and eddie murphy the first time i saw eddie murphy fuck dude my whole family was crying yeah like i was in sixth grade watching that with my entire family yeah you know so i mean but at the end of the day as i got older and and, and as i started writing and the things that i thought were funny and the comedians i gravitated towards you know yeah. white dudes you know yeah. and that's fine but uh i do i want to get back out there i want to write i want to be I, I feel like comedy is to me the most purest form of entertainment um stand-up comedy there's a free yeah it's free because you're just it's just you right like, that's it like exactly and you get to paint you get to do whatever like and the, the thing about it is it's like sometimes too with stand-up like i'll see somebody and i'm just like how the fuck did I never think that you could just that that's like there's some people that I've uh when I saw TJ Miller and just watched how like he just start to veer out of material and it's just like he's clear over here like what the yeah. fuck and then he just like get right back when he needed right, to but right. he could just ride things up. there's there's people who have done he that dude is so experienced though yeah yeah exactly well and he has an improv background Right. And so it makes that it made sense, but then there's, um, I don't, dude. There's some really. There's a guy, Philip Shawberger, from, uh, Oregon, right, um, Portland. He was actually one of the top five Portland comics last year. But he's, I hate prop comedy. Like when I see prop comedy, I'm like, oh, okay. There's right. a few people who can pull it off. But this was something yeah. unreal. Like I had, I'm like, oh my god! I he did a pizza box puppet show where he was a shrink, and he the game was what's uh, what's inside of me. And so the girl came up and uh, they put different things in, and then she'd guess what the things were. Right. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And then. Uh, He's like, now we'll play what's inside of you. And then he brought out like the um, Rorschach 
things where it's just like, what do you see? Like, and did that. And then at the end of it, he made her beat the shit out of him with a hammer. And she just smashed this pizza box while he was still right. puppeteering it. Like, like, ah, ah. And that was right, the show. Right. And I was just like, God damn it. That is, that was fucking great. Then the very next day I see him and he has this set that he builds where he can push something in a, like a wooden frame will pop up around him and he has a playback thing that he's talking with something, a pre-recorded right. thing. And it's just like, Oh my God, like that's fucking, this dude's like really right, right. pushing himself to be, do you, do you know who Kyle Mooney is? That name sounds so, uh, he's on Saturday or was on yeah, Saturday night. Like, yeah. He, I don't he know. used to do the weird he interviews on, uh, I wouldn't say he took my Dean done, but he kind of did. Really? Yeah, and he, I can't remember the comedian's name, but Kyle Mooney's one of my favorite like sketch writers, and I, I don't know, my, I, he's one of my favorite comedians right now. Was he the guy? He did a sketch with... Uh... He's not that funny on Saturday Night Live, but if you go look up his YouTube... Oh, where Kyle he did Mooney. the sport jacket yeah, thing. Yeah, I've seen that. Come on, team. No, 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 no. I, he does that one, but the... Yeah, that's that's Kyle Mooney. Yeah. But he has some, he has some really good ones on YouTube. Uh I've always loved Dave Attell. I think Dave Attell to me is one is easily one of the is best. One, if not, like just someone who can get out there and go yep. and go and go and go and go and see, go and go and go. Have you seen his and last Netflix special? Yeah, when he picks up the phone, <laughs> I that it fucking I, killed me. I can't. Dude. You know, I have like. I have amnesia when it comes yeah. to stuff, but I did. I watched it and yeah. I, I was crying. I was oh man, he was so, so funny. Yeah, it's just the. I think it was the road work one. So it was just him working a couple different rooms, and one of the rooms had like an old phone yeah. hanging on the wall, yeah, and yeah. It, it was like talking about his career dying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like just like he. I don't know what it is about him too, but it just the way. The, just his I can't get his oh. his carelessness about how you know what I'm saying about whatever he's talking about how yeah. easy it is for him to say the foulest things like it's just yeah. so natural is funny as he fuck is, I, I I love that guy I can't that's what I he's because he's the guy on the couch and half baked yeah I, it, it's uh, either him or Stephen Wright there's a debate between a few of my friends and I I think it's under it's I, you know half baked i was like i missed that i was like on hippie mode or something around that yeah when it came out so i was kind of like that's like the bastardization of pot to me yeah whereas that you know so I, then i did see it you know like later in life and uh i liked it it was funny but i don't remember it yeah. i remember no was that no more nasty nate yeah, yeah, <laughs> naughty jungle of love. Yeah, that's the only part yeah. that I remember. Harlan Williams being yeah, in prison because like... <laughs> he kills the horse for the cop horse from feeding it. That's you are only, a hungry. That's horse. the only part I remember is no more nasty Nate. Oh man, yeah, that was funny. I I really liked that. That I will be honest. That's I I it wasn't the first time that I smoked pot after that show, but it was the first time I actually. Like smoked pot and was like, "Whoa, man, I'm stoned! Like this is cool." Yeah. Oh, that's a that those because I had smoked feelings. twice before and ne had nothing. I'm like, "What, dude? This isn't working." Is it? Is this? Is this thing on? Yeah. Right. Is this thing on? And finally, like, I I mean, I had to smoke like probably like three or four bowls with one of my friends, and then it was just like, like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. This isn't what I thought it would be, but this is really great. I remember the first time smoking real weed in Southern California, like indoor hydro fire 
And that to um, me was like something that always stand out in my mind. Because I remember smoking weed and like getting really stoned in Salt Lake. But then when I moved away, it was like, oh, this is weed. Yeah. Well, that's what I remember uh, sitting at it. I've never, I've never had to call somebody ever. Be like, dude, I need you to come pick me up. I'm too stoned to drive right. right now. But one of my, one of my, I was working at this tattoo shop up in Ogden, and one of my friends uh, had a friend coming in from California, and he brought fire. Yeah. And we ripped it. I think I took two or three bong rips, like big bong yeah. rips, and I was smoking. You know, I was smoking quite a bit, but it was like, oh man, like I actually felt buzzy. Like, whoa, dude, like I. Oh shit! Yeah. Whoa. I uh, I stopped smoking for two years. Uh, deal with some shit in my life. And, uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, I got my driver's license. We got everything <laughs> situated, and so I decided I was gonna start smoking weed again. And uh, I was DJing at the same time, so I I was like, well, I'm gonna take it to the club and smoke it, and I did, and I got so fucking high. I was bugging out bad, and, and 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 there was a band playing, so I would DJ to set, went and smoked while the band was playing. I was like, I'm gonna smoke while the band's on, and I come back in the room and it's kind of dead, and the band's playing, and I'm so stoned, I don't know where to sit down, so I take a chair and I sit it right directly up flush up against the stage, so I'm looking up at the lead singer, just me sitting there, and I have no, and th this isn't normal behavior for me. No, like, no. That's... I'm a musician, like I don't give a fuck about a band really. Like, anyways, I'm sitting. Yeah, there, you would have stood in the. That, and the you lead, would have been standing in the. One back of the singers, watching. she's like, pretty big chick. <laughs> she's like, not too pretty to look at. And I'm right in front of her, and she thinks like I'm making eyes with her, and I'm just fucking, literally like. Just like I'm on acid. Yeah, no, I'm like just, feel like I'm on acid at this point. And her face is just changing in front of me. And then I'm like, okay. So then the place starts filling up. Like within a matter of maybe minutes, hours, I don't even know. It just packed all of a sudden. Packed. And I'm on a chair. And now I'm stuck there. And then now so I'm like, okay, I need to make a move here. So I get up and, and, and I can't open my mouth. It's so dry. Like, I can't even swallow, bro. I felt like I was going to choke to death. I'm not joking, dude. Yeah. This is this is like 2008. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I, um, I go, I'm like, okay, maybe if I get some food. So I have a bar tab there. So I'm like, I, I get a waitress. I'm like, yo, give me some nachos. And she's like, okay, I'll get you some nachos. And she comes back, bro, with a fucking 24-inch dish. A fucking nachos, dude. Like a ex triple extra large size of pizza. Yeah. Fucking nacho plate. And there's like nowhere to even stand yeah. in this bar. I'm fucking stoned out of my mind. And now I'm fucking standing there with a tray of fucking nachos, bro. Like this. In a bar full of people stoned. I How can't do you even eat. You can't even I eat them. I couldn't those. even eat them. Because <laughs> no, your right. hands are full. No. <laughs> So now I'm like, bug the fuck out, hallucinating. I can't, I feel like I'm going to asphyxiate on my own tongue. And I have a fucking tray of nachos that I don't even know what to do with. <laughs> so then I see these people sitting down and I just invite myself. I'm like, hey, you guys, can I sit here? And then that's the end of the story. But then we, then you ate some nachos. I ate some nachos with these people. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, weed can do that too. And you have to be careful. Yeah. 
know the be in a good environment. Oh Lord. Oh man. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks. I gotta I gotta wrap this up. I've gotta yeah. head to a show in Boise. Awesome, man. Get my windshield replaced. Yeah. Well, I hope it wasn't boring. No, it wasn't, man. It was good. It was yeah. good catching up. And uh, let's definitely get together and write write sometime, dude. Yeah, so. I'm down. Awesome. All right. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show, Bronte. Anything Wait. that you'd like to plug? Tell people to go buy your old uh, any of your older albums. No. 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 No plugs. No plugs. <laughs> uh, no. No. That's it. Just thanks, and uh, hopefully people listen to this and and just stay aware, be conscious, be happy. And what did I read uh, the other day? It's pretty cool. It was, uh, if you meet an asshole at the beginning of the day, then you meet an asshole. But if you keep meeting assholes all day, you're the asshole. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Anyways, all right, peace. Hey, thanks for listening, guys, uh, to Stupid Questions on the Earhole Media Network. Have a good day.